Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where you take a great pop music album and break it down track by track. And we've been dying to tell you that on the turntable this week is I've been trying to tell you by St. Etienne. This is one of those episodes we do from time to time, released uh, originally on release day uh, to celebrate a new album coming out from an act that we love. And today we've been fortunate enough to be joined by a special guest to talk about it as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely thrilled and honoured and made up with the fact that Pete Wiggs of St Etienne, of course, uh, joins us to go through the whole thing track by track and talk about this incredible brand new album from St Etienne, their 10th studio album uh, and coming as well 30 years, almost to the day after their debut, Fox Base Alpha. And I have to say, I was really surprised, pleasantly surprised when I'd heard they had a new album ready to go. And this is something really different in a way, but at the same time, totally true to form. Uh, I think as the conversation plays out that we have with Pete today, we'll understand exactly how this record came to pass and exactly what was involved in it. Because there's some real pop Easter eggs in there. There really are. And I do think it's one of those albums, you know, with St. Etienne, they're, you know, they're a very varied band with a very varied output, aren't they? You, you have things like Words of Music By, which is kind of upfront pop bangers. Um, but sometimes some of the best pop music, just like some of the best series or films or whatever, you kind of have to work a little bit to get them and to, to really appreciate them. And I think this is one of those albums. But also, I think hearing Pete talk about it makes you appreciate it even more and then just want to go back and listen to it all over again so as will said as always patrons get our new release episodes first and if you are listening in chronological order this is the second episode of our run of 10 will 10 episodes for our third anniversary it is and i love the fact that the two new release albums we're talking about this week uh, are very different from each other, but perfectly encapsulate the the difference that we love on track by track, the broad pop music taste that we have. Yeah, yeah especially because, yeah, both released on the same day and the different sides of the spectrum of track by track. It's a beautiful thing. It's what we're all about and what a better time to celebrate it than our third anniversary. So let's head over to ourselves and Pete to get stuck in to the album proper. <laughs> Hi, Pete, and thank you so much for joining us on Track by Track today. Hi. So we are here to talk about I've Been Trying to Tell You, which is St. Etienne's 10th studio album. A huge milestone. Uh, of course, anyone who knows and loves St. Etienne, like ourselves, knows it's not just the albums, it's the EPs and the fan club releases and everything else. But this is studio album number 10. And this is a sample album inspired by memories between... 97 and 2001 if I'm not mistaken what was it about that particular time that made you kind of want to uh, revisit and um, maybe even reimagine some of those memories yeah well sort of memory is a kind of theme of it it's partly because ours is going a bit <laughs> but also um, <laughs> our collective memory um, but also about how you know how the fog of time that you sort of mix things up and uh, looking back at that particular era seems to be quite a lot of new music is referencing the late 90s and and 
when we started, we were sort of referencing 60s and 70s. And uh, we thought it was sort of interesting for us to look back with a similar time difference and do a similar thing to what we did when we started, try to make something new from... Um, yeah, from a, an era when a lot of people think of it as being maybe a, an era of optimism. I, I know at the beginning of it, we were certainly very optimistic about the new government and um, it was before, you know, war on terror and everything seemed to take a bit of a turn for the worse. So, uh, but yeah, part of it is about whether, you know, uh, you can look back and think things were much rosier than they were, or were they or not. Um, so, yeah, that's it. <laughs> and it's... It's lovely to see, like in the film uh, that accompanies uh, this whole this album, uh, and with the single so far, it's reflected. You know, it's bright, it's sunny. You've got young people being very happy and you know enjoying themselves. What was in terms of that kind of direction for the visuals? Uh, what was the what was the thinking there? Well, um, it was it was great to meet Alistair McClellan, who uh, made the film and and get to work with him and find out that he was a massive St Etienne fan and uh, so it's great when you work with someone who's actually a fan of you you know rather than not really having to explain yourself and things like that um and he's a, he's a slightly younger than us so uh he was trying to so that period that we're talking about he was a teenager and so he wanted to make a sort of idealized version of his youth really um, he said, you know, people didn't look that good, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's it's sort of capturing that thing of looking back with sort of almost rose tinted spectacles uh, at the past, and I think it goes brilliantly with the music, and and also I think it's it was a tonic for you know the whole pandemic and everything. The way when we recorded this album, it was pretty pretty much started. Uh, last summer or before you know and um and he started filming during those bits when you were allowed to and you know he got special permission and all that so we were we were seeing footage and it was like great well, this is amazing this is happening and it really takes takes your mind off <laughs> all the crap and as you mentioned the pandemic there and i guess we had to we had to talk about it at some point because of when this album was recorded what was the what was the experience like recording and producing this album separately because i'd imagine as a th- as a trio you've always worked so closely together uh what was what, what did that feel like yeah well sort of interesting we, we often start songs separately and then we come together in the studio with you know mix bits together or you know one person might take the lead on a track and the others contribute so often they do start off that way um but yeah, this was quite different in the sense of there was sort of two locations of actual sort of recording and mixing. So I, I did stuff here in Hove and then Gus Augustine Boosfield uh, up in Bradford, with, who's nearer Bob, uh, did two of the tracks and some of the additional you know b-sides and things up there and then we had lots of zoom meetings and a bit like this but uh <laughs> so we'd i you know work on bits and then sarah's son does a bit of music so he recorded uh vocals for her and sent them over to me so it was a, yeah it was kind of a slightly unusual process but it was it was 
because of the nature, the idea of it was to create, try to sort of recreate that sort of memory process with lots of, you know, fragments and repetitive and sort of hypnotic stuff. And it's, um, I don't know, it kind of, it kind of worked well. Um, Sarah supplying bits of vocal, and it was kind of surprising sometimes. And then I, I was able to sort of just fiddle around with it and then we'd have uh, Zoom calls yeah, and uh, discuss and it's a bit like doing homework you know. mm. and I'd love to know were there any uh, in between uh, meetings about the album were there any Zoom quizzes because I think Will and I like to think of ourselves as pop masters but I'm not sure against you Bob and Sarah I don't <laughs> think we would stand well, a chance actually me, which, my memory is getting worse and, worse. Um, and I'm terrible at pop quizzes I don't know what it is there's something because I know I should know the answer or I do know the answer that it stops it coming out and I'm going it makes it even worse but Bob's great he's got really encyclopedic knowledge of pop so yeah he definitely uh, he's a good one to have on your team so I get the old one I, I'm, I'm good at the um, puzzle ones you know you get pictures and you have to work out what it means like crossword, crosswordy types oh, I yeah. need an AIDS memoir otherwise I'm lost <laughs> And I'm sure some of that pop knowledge, uh, we'll probably talk about it as we go through the tracks, but that's definitely something that's leaned on for for the samples featured in this album. Looking at some of the early reactions online, there's definitely been a few surprised uh, fans when they've discovered uh, certain samples in certain tracks. That must be really exciting to do that and to surprise people still after such a long career already. Yeah, if, if it's a good surprise, then that's good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I suppose um, because of the nature of the album, you sort of have to talk about the samples. But uh, when we were doing it, we weren't sure if people would find out, you know. But I think it kind of, it's just the nature of things. It's going to come up, you know. And... <laughs> And so that sounds like a great time to go into track one, uh, which does feature an incredible sample. So this is side one, track one, music again. So music again there, and I have to say, I was so excited to hear that you were going to be sampling uh, Love of a Lifetime by Honeys. I have, well, for 20-odd years now, I've thought that is one of the most underrated, stunning pop R&B ballads. Oh, that's uh, good. And I love the treatment you've given it. I'd love to know <laughs> well, who, who I, brought that I, one I to the table. Uh, I'll defer to Bob. He actually supplied all this, the list of... So he gave me a playlist of tracks, basically. And there was lots more on there to choose from, but it was, uh, and then uh, I sort of had free reign to decide, you know, which ones to have a go at kind of thing and which bits of the song to use. So, yeah, so that was, uh, it was Bob's, uh, yeah, he, he kind of came up with the concept for the album and to sort of explain it, he said, oh, this is the kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, great, let's go with those and see what happens. And, um, and we didn't know at the time whether we'd be able to clear anything or not, or whether we could even release the album. But it was we wanted to do something 
because we were kept out of studio and stuff. Um, so yeah, it was a kind of unusual process really, where we didn't really know what was going to come from these samples, and and he didn't know which bits I was going to use, and you know until I played it back, kind of thing. I love the I love just that idea of thinking about what you would hear on the radio during that time period, and again, it might not be the a big a massive smash hit record of the time, but just the sort of thing that would get airplay. And when I think about this track, that's exactly what, I mean, it's never set the world on fire, but it'd be very, it's very familiar in, in tone. Was it a conscious choice to kind of go a little bit left field with the sample choices and not sample uh, something from a massive song? Yeah, I think partly we thought, (laughs) <laughs> more likely to get cleared clearance but no but also i th- I, uh, I think if it was too famous it might detract a bit you know from what we're doing i mean i think for some people maybe they know this song so well that they might not like the way it's been so slowed down you know and messed around with um but yeah for me it was a sort of challenge of trying to take elements and create something that yeah hinted at it without you necessarily knowing where it came from and yeah this track was one of the first um that i had to go at so the sort of test of concept i suppose um and there's it's i was going for sort of hypnotic and quite psychedelic sort of feel but without you know not not in a hopefully in a retro sort of way but there's still there's quite a lot of backwards stuff going on and playing around with new software as well where you can sort of take the beats out of a sample and and the bass line and so you can put that in a different place and so the whole the whole track comes from the samples there's nothing added or anything I did think that actually with this one, I, I was um, you can t- it's just so sparse and such a kind of like wonderful intro into this album and this concept and this idea and uh, Will and I, we're, we often put our hands up and say we're not musicians. We're just huge uh, pop music nerds. Same here. But with this one, I kind of really <laughs> felt like <laughs> we're in great company today. But uh, yeah, definitely felt I could, you know, it was slowed down, reversed. Um, and then the kind of the only thing new was Sarah's vocal, which I think if I'm not wrong, it's never had a way to go. Is that the repetition that's happening there? Yeah. And it's what I loved when she sent stuff over is this sort of ambiguity, really, of of, of all this album, really, the lyrics that she's come up with. And she's really good at that because it creates a mood and a feeling and you can sort of make up your own kind of story to that, really. And uh, this, this song really took shape when... So there's the kind of humming bit. I can't do it. <laughs> and... I was sort of playing around with, you know, various effects to to make it a bit different to the main part, and because it dry, it sounds like humming, <laughs> and uh, I suddenly thought, oh, that's something really special, you know, and, uh, and it suddenly it really took on an amazing identity. I think that you know, with that it didn't have before because it existed as all of them existed as backing tracks before Sarah added her bits, and it, I just thought oh wow this sounds magic i love it so let's move on to track two now uh and this is pond house
So this was uh, this one that Gus uh, recorded up in Bradford. So uh, yeah, Gus, who Bob met, and it, he plays in Gurgles, the band, and also uh, does things like uh, uh, live noise improv and all sorts of stuff like that. So he seemed like a good person to uh, get. <laughs> get hold of the idea um and this track was one of the first ones that yeah they had to go out to sort of test of concept song as well um it's samples yeah this more obvious sample this one in terms of it's a voice sample you know of uh, natalie and bruglia what's the song beauty on fire that's it isn't it uh and it's the song i hadn't heard before to be honest um i like the fact that you some people might think it's Sarah singing and and it isn't, <laughs> which is sort of a bit like on Fox Space Alpha, you've got Sarah's not singing, Only Love Can Break Your Heart. And a lot of people are surprised to find that out. And I quite like the sort of um, the way that sort of ties up almost <laughs> bookends. Oh, yeah, almost, uh, almost 30 years to the day after that was released as well. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's quite nice. <laughs> it took a bit longer for this album to come out than we wanted it because there's a, the process of clearing all the samples and everything. Uh, we were hoping it was going to be more like a sort of pre-summer album. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, there's a lot going on, isn't there? Yes. Um, so, uh, so that, yeah, this, uh, on Gus's tracks, he plays more stuff. It's not just messing with samples. So... Uh, he said that the um, the synth arpeggios and stuff were sort of foggy and filtered, partly because of the time period, but also to sort of represent the sort of foggy nature of memory and uh, the sort of looping the same refrain over and over again was a kind of a test to that. He he said uh, Bob uh, kept saying, "Slow it down, no more, some more," and he was going, "What really? <laughs> yeah, go on, go." On. <laughs> This was um, this was the first uh, the first thing I heard from from this album, and every time I listen to this track now, I just get that vocal loop stuck in my head, and it's wonderfully hip- hypnotic. And I think you said it best just now when you said it's like a haze, like a fog, a very sort of hypnotic, nostalgic fog that comes in. It's addictive as well. So the more I listen to it, the more I want to listen to it again. I think you just keep going on a loop um the um have you seen i don't know if you've seen the video clip for this mm. one yeah with a there's a, a lot of it a sort of guy walking down the street panning along with houses and he's got shades on or something topless but i <laughs> sometimes i'm out walking and i get if i get this in my head i suddenly think i'm him walking down the street <laughs> no top on. <laughs> anyway he probably didn't need to know that <laughs> Uh, I have to say that I geeked out even more because uh, as with Love of a Lifetime, Beauty on the Fire, one of my favorite Natalie Imbruglia songs of all time. Um, and again, not one that's kind of her most known. It's not up there with Torn or anything like that. Um, and I just love kind of it's, I think what's great about this uh, album and this project is not only um, this idea of those memories that are in the background uh, when we're looking back at this time, but also bringing some of these songs to a new audience perhaps as mm. well. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's a beautiful. Uh, it's got a sort of melancholy edge, as as well. The whole album does, really. I think. But the, that this her voice on this is lovely. I think. So, should we move on to track three? And this is Fontaine. Mm-hmm. 
So, Fontaine here. This one samples Rain Cloud by Lighthouse Family. have to say, recently I've been watching uh, on Channel 5, I don't know if you've seen, every Friday night they've been doing like a 1990s countdown of the top 30 right, tracks. Yeah. Um, Lighthouse Family, quite often on there, of course, with the 96, 97 time, uh, with High and Ocean Drive. But it is just one of those, the, the vocal, uh, the, the overall sound, but particularly the vocal, it's one of those things, uh, which I'm sure is why you've used it, where it's so... It's just so synonymous with the late nineties. Yeah, I, yeah. I think this this is probably one of the biggest hits I would have thought. Or, you know, of the tracks that were used. Um, and yeah, it went through quite a long. This was one of the last ones to be finished. Uh, it started off. I. It was a really long instrumental. It was nine minutes long, <laughs> and it used a lot more of the different string parts and things from the uh, original. But we kept we never we kept going. Oh, it's, oh, it's not quite right, and uh, and the, so it wasn't going to have vocals. But then uh, Sarah added bits, and I sort of chopped them up and uh, played around with it. And we did have a we had a verse at one point that was about the Garden of Eden, but we've uh, we decided it was better without that, <laughs> which is sort of referencing the like, you know the Rosie looking back at things. Um, yeah, I was really I really liked it when. I sort of extracted that opening loop, which is really repetitive, uh, and I changed the key from the original songs to something that felt more sort of slightly grainy and more atmospheric. Um, and yeah, I think the, it, it, with Sarah's lyric, again, it's one of her um, uh, ambiguous type lyrics, but uh, I sort of see it as being like a sort of, you know, you're a conversation in time you know with with your memories and trying to bring things backwards and forwards and and then it when it bursts out towards the end into a sort of wider with the strings and everything that's the sort of kicking in of the yeah rosy past but it's all got quite a sort of chunky uh beaty sound which i i liked I was particularly pleased with the uh, <laughs> putting the phasing on one of the drum loops, which uh, it's one of those happy acts, not happy accident, but you, normally you have to play around uh, getting the settings right. And I just turned it on and it was making that, <laughs> it was it was the right, I was like, oh, I'm going to keep it to that timing. It's not quite right, but it sounds really good. That's how we normally record an episode. Yeah, just see what happens. Hope for the best. <laughs> normally it works out. <laughs> that, I do love that idea around you have the kind of misremembering and looking back on things in a more maybe optimistic positive light than maybe they were at the time and thinking back to that 1997 period and I think Dan and I have talked recently about you know when when you think about 2012 and when the Olympics was happening in in the UK that felt we always we often say that felt like a great time wasn't yes it? yeah but yeah was it and it's you do question yourself sometimes and it's, I mean, I know that's you, you said before, that's something that was definitely part of this process. When you look back to 1997, is that do you have the same thoughts? Does you does your mind do that yeah. to you as well? Yeah, because there's, there's always different uh, things going on as well. So you might have a rosy period for the country, but you might not be having a personally rosy period during that time. You know, and sometimes you forget you remember yeah, what either what was going on with you or some other events, and you don't necessarily link them together, which is quite interesting because I guess it's made me sort of question that period and go, hang on, what was uh, 
what was it like and part you know some there were things like i didn't know how long the band would be going and you know what's next and i remember that there was a bit of a sort of creative block at least for one or two of those years or not knowing where we were going and things like that and that's but that's something you, you that normally you forget and, and you just think about the good good bits and all that did you think back then in 97 that um how many years is it now what 24 years later no, I, it'd yeah. still be <laughs> we're, we're always like oh we, i think we've got another album left in us that kind of thing <laughs> And um, you mentioned about the longer versions of this and the different verses. If I know St. Etienne, like I think <laughs> I know St. Etienne, I wouldn't be surprised if we do hear that at a later day at some point. It's quite likely. <laughs> you also you also referenced uh, B-sides at, at the start of the uh, episode as well, which has probably got us both excitedly thinking about what more we might hear from this. Yes. Well, when I say B sides, it's more. It's a there's a ten inch that comes with uh, one of the formats that you can buy. So there's two sides of that, um, and there's also a, a, a flexi, I believe, that Heavenly are doing. But I mean, everything will be available at some point to everybody that doesn't want to shell out, you know, to buy formats as such. Well, we were we talked uh, last Christmas. We did an episode on uh, a glimpse of stocking um, because it was oh nice for the first time. It was available across uh, streaming services, and it was great to get so much feedback from people who were discovering that album for the first time because maybe they didn't snatch up the uh, the the physical release when it came out. Um, so it was like oh cool, that's nice, yeah with like feeling like we'd brought that to people's attention a little bit more who maybe hadn't heard it before and it was just such a fun record that episode because of because of those tracks it was just a great we love a good we love a really good contemporary christmas album and that was just brilliant so thank well, you for that's that. good well um yeah i always think that should almost be one of our studio albums that it kind of all it sort of feels like it was because it's all quite well made and everything you know and it wasn't just knocked off uh you know like some of our old tat no <laughs> uh, <laughs> i don't know why i said that we don't knock off anything um <laughs> but uh no i'm I, I suppose i just really like that album i think it's uh it works well uh you know and there's some good good stuff that a lot of people don't know like you say um we've actually done a we we're hopefully releasing a Christmas record this year as well, or a wintry record. We've recorded it. It's, it's in a, it's in a kind of similar vein to this album, production-wise. So let's move on to track number four now, which is Little K. So this was actually the first track I had to go at with the in this concept, uh, and it uses really small snippets of a Samantha Mumba song, "Till the Night Becomes the Day," which I can't remember if I know or not, which sort of fits quite well with the <laughs> with the theme of the whole thing. Um, uh, 
And uh, I, th I think here it w I was really going for the, you know, those kind of self hypnosis tapes that they were kind of big in the 90s, or still kind of are. But I remember getting one for stage fright and things <laughs> didn't work. Uh, only because I was drinking too much Jack Daniels before I went on stage. <laughs> this is in the 90s. I don't worry about it anymore, actually, funny enough. Um, yeah, yeah, it just sort of stopped. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, going, so quite sort of again psychedelic i suppose and it was the idea is sort of drawing into a sort of kind of trance and then bringing out again with all the sort of uh an excuse to use some flanging basically uh, which is always uh, something i love you get it's the sort of thing if you're djing and there's a flange button on the mixer the more alcohol you consume this and it's always put a bit of flanging on this and yeah <laughs> it's great fun when you're doing but i'm sure anyone listening just thinks well turn it off it's not, it's not messing around me and bob both love doing that uh, anyway you have to hope they're on the yeah. same level as you yeah. and the drink <laughs> it's a great it's a great word as well actually yeah flange. yeah so um someone said it was uh coined by john lennon but i don't know if that's true for, it, for this purpose i mean for the musical purpose but i liked it's a great that's a great story if yeah it's true or not. i like to believe we'll that stick, yeah we'll just go with it i tend to believe stories and not check the factual uh, validity of them it's always better oh yeah don't let the facts <laughs> get in the way of a good story and this is a this is a um, great track for the kind of midpoint in the album because it's it feels it's quite it is quite dreamlike it feels very very, like you say, re very relaxational as well, and just a really nice length to it. And you could just kind of drift away. I'd have just got visions of just kind of on the in the sea, just kind of sp spread out, just looking up at the sun. It's it's very very dreamlike. Oh, that's good. It worked. <laughs> yes, yes. I think I I definitely agree. This one feels the most um, soundtrack like. And I was just wondering, at what point was um, was Alistair brought on board, and was the idea of the video was was this always going to be a kind of soundtrack album, or was there a point in the creation where you realised actually this needs the visuals? Um, no, so we'd sort of started making it, and they were sort of going parallel in the sense um, that we'd met Alistair, and he'd said he was a fan because he, he did an advert uh, for perfume that used one of our tracks, "Nothing Can Stop Us." And so we thought, uh, that's right, and Bob, Bob lives up north now and he's from up that way. And they just got in touch and for a coffee and he'd, he said, oh, it'd be good to do something together. And Bob's like, Ooh. <laughs> we're doing a new album. <laughs> and then he was like, and he was like, oh, I'll make a film to go with the whole thing. We're like, wow, amazing. I hope you realise we, we've not got much money. <laughs> but he's done a fantastic job, yeah, so... And yeah, so uh, so we played him at that point. We'd written three of the songs, so we heard. Uh, it might be it was the first three, and it was sorry. Hang on, sorry, no, it was he'd heard, yeah, music again, Little K and Fontaine. I think I don't know about Pond House at that point. Um, and yeah, he was like, "Oh, this is great," yeah, um, and he liked the concept, and you know, it was a formative period for him the early 90s uh, um yeah so th the rest was being they may be made in tandem but not not it wasn't really working like a soundtrack in the sense of thinking 
oh, it needs this mood at this point or anything. We, we, we're just thinking in terms of an album and the album needs this mood at that point, you know, rather than it being a film. Because uh, And it was a while before we actually saw any of the footage that he'd done. And then when we did, we were like, ah, amazing, fantastic. I think we'd finished recording at that point. <laughs> also, just before we move on to five, I love that of Samantha Mumba had a run of five of the best pop songs of the 90s and you went for this obscure album track to use. Oh, right, it wasn't Love obscure, that decision. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so track five then, flipping over the record for Blue Kite. This is actually um, sort of made of St Etienne offcuts from the period, so you know, sort of some stems that we had lying around, and then sort of mangled up, fiddling around with effects really, and it sort of created the central sound. It kind of sounded like a sort of ball of energy, almost a sort of fizzing, morphing kind of thing, and which Bob thought sounded a bit Steve Reich-like, which I was like, oh, that sounds cool. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so it just it's it's one of those tracks that just kind of created itself in a way. Um, and Vince Clark has done a great remix of it actually, uh, which is so I, I'm I'm in two minds of whether it sounds melancholy or euphoric. And uh, his remix has taken it more in the sort of balearic euphoric type direction, which is uh, great. I haven't heard that yet, but can't wait that- to hear that. That sounds incredible. No, that's really exciting to hear. Are there any other remixes that we can look forward to uh, yes. in the pipeline? Yes, so there's uh, Fontaine has been done by Daniel Avery, um, Penlop by Jane Weaver. So yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant trio of uh, mm. remixes so far anyway. There might be more. Oh, I can see why Vince went for this one though, because the shimmer of the synths in this one are... Phenomenal. In fact, when I was listening to it, I was thinking I could well imagine you sampling this song to create a kind of a Saint Etienne pop banger. I hadn't realised at the point that actually it come from samples of uh, yeah, yeah. Saint Etienne songs. And now he's made it. He's turned it around <laughs> and made it into more of a sort of yeah, it's kind of very meta. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it was brilliant to you know that he wanted to, to mix it, and he seemed to really like the album, which was uh, you know it's always exciting when you hear comments like that and you think oh it's Vince Clark <laughs> in fact the album proper that's just gone out this week is on Speak and Spell so we've been talking about him a lot lately and uh we love to talk about as well as the album itself we love to talk about the album artwork um and this is obviously something from um from the film but also the the iconography the the kind of style around the font with the road signs it's always exciting to see what you do with with your artwork and the way you kind of use the font um, and what style you approach. Was was that inspired from the videos from the film, or did you already have that in mind um, anyway? Yeah, there's a sort of element of the road signs from they they feature quite a lot in the film because it sort of travels from the south of England and ends up in Scotland. Those are locations. Uh, which we weren't expecting Alice to be able to, be able to do, but he did. It's 
<laughs> pulled it all out the bag, really. Um, and we used uh, this very sort of top design company, M&M, uh, from Paris, who Alistair wanted to use because he they do all his uh, art design, graphic design for him. Um, so that was a bit uh, different, you know, working with different people. But I suppose we have used um, road signs and stuff before with the Dorothy stuff that they did for us um, for Words of Music. It's so lovely to have all these because the the film is just so so well made and shot that there's just tons of stills that you can take from it, and so they're all just scenes and they just come out. They just look fantastic. And the the uh, the uh, sort of colorist that he used on the film because we saw that you know the rough cuts and everything still look brilliant, but when you see the mastered version, the the job they've done is just fantastic because the colors just stunning. And, I'm really looking forward to seeing it in the cinema tomorrow at the premiere because I haven't actually seen it on a big screen, so it's going to be very exciting. It just it just adds to that kind of nostalgic feel where everything looks so saturated and rich and and bright. No harm that everyone in it is fantastically beautiful and having There's a, a few old time. people in it as well. That's <laughs> me, me, from the Sarah maker. Sort of. Brief cameo just ah. to sort of destroy the. Uh, well, Sarah looks beautiful, but I don't know about me and Bob. <laughs> like two old geezers in a cafe. Uh, also, great point at time of recording, at day of recording, uh, tomorrow kicks off a whole film festival of the films of Saint Etienne. Uh, and I think it's just testament to how important the visuals are for you as a band that not only a film premiere, but an actual a week of films being shown. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that. And we sort of heard that was happening. Uh, quite a while back and it's it's been great actually just partly psychologically uh, amongst you know the pandemic and everything to a to being able to do something creative together and know this other thing's been happening in parallel and then to find out it's going to be you know on at the bfi and they're going to get us to you know show all the other films it's been lovely to have that as a goal of this year you know to keep you going oh look, i've done something <laughs> and uh and yeah then try and remember the other things you've done for q and a's uh so track six next then and this is i remember it well useful title yes so obviously the title here really <laughs> taps into the themes of the album but this is one that this is the only track on the album that's not sample based actually it's all played um i done it at gus's and um he's there's got field recordings of um seagulls and which i thought i'd provided but he's telling me bob recorded them so <laughs> I thought they were hove seagulls, but they're, <laughs> they're Humberside ones, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, the Sarah's, this sample choir is made from Sarah singing various notes and then sort of made into patches and all that. Um, yeah, it, and it's it's very atmospheric in the film, this one. Uh, 
gets yeah gets your uh, what's the hairs on your back seeing that going up and all that and you mentioned the uh, the premiere tomorrow is that um and hopefully you will you'll you'll be together as a as a trio again how has that been quite an infrequent thing of late is it going to be the first time in a while that you'll be all together yeah well we did a um we did a um in an interview with the observer last week up in at the nft and that was the first time we'd all been together since before the pandemic i think which is mad oh wow it's difficult because well the good thing about zooms is you do actually feel like you've seen people that like so me and bob met when we filmed for the video but Sarah filmed on a different day so uh, yeah so all the three of us hadn't been together for that length of time and on I remember it well um I yeah completely agree a real melancholy to this one as well for me I think the most melancholic and I think it's because um some of those uh the the um spoken samples that I, I assume Augustine has brought to it um they, they for me I, i'm from a similar neck of the woods to alistair uh, outside of doncaster in south yorkshire and just this kind of listening to this song and closing my eyes it just felt like home yeah it's uh he said it's street recording sort of with various bits reversed and sped up and stuff like that so yeah yeah it's good isn't it yeah it's like you're walking down a market or something or i really like it really atmospheric and, and the, yeah the video the visuals are amazing to go with this one it's, yeah it feels very poignant Let's head into uh, track number seven now, uh, Penlop. So this is uh, Joy from the Lightning Seeds, which is actually a bit out of the time period. <laughs> You're allowed to break your concept occasionally, aren't you? Um, so this is of actually course. from the early yes. 90s. <laughs> Just to show that our memories don't function very well sometimes. But this one that went through a few um, a longer sort of period, this is the, the last thing we finished. The, we'd... Uh, I had a flood in my house, in my studio, in last November, and we'd kind of finished recording the album, but uh, it took three months before uh, I could get it back again, and uh, we'd booked in the mastering so that we couldn't miss the release date and the vinyl and everything. And so there was a couple of tracks we wanted to, we hadn't quite finished, so this and Fontaine we we weren't quite 100% happy with. Although we could have gone with what we'd got at that point, uh, it wasn't quite there. And and Sarah came up with some suggestions for the end part of this, which really made a big difference. And I had about two days, I think, just when I got my, got it all fixed again and studio up running. I was so glad we had that time to finish because it sounds so much better. And it's just little tweaks and stuff at the end, but uh, yeah, it was good. It was, it was stressful but good. <laughs> and in terms of like you said, you sort of broke broke out of the concept a little bit with this sample. What made you go with um, the lightning seeds? But there was another one on the playlist. Ah, perfect was on there as well. Do you remember when that when that's from? That would have been a little bit before 
as well. Oh, really? Oh, well, um, so then. Yeah. I, I so. had no chance then. I didn't check any of that. <laughs> I was, I was going to try and mix the two together, but in the end, we were happy with the way this was going. Cause this one, um, it's nearly all just made out of that track where I added a bit of piano, um, which I sort of degraded to make it sound like it's the same sort of grungy sort of quality as everything else. <laughs> And really going for a sort of uh, kind of 3D kind of sound, hopefully with this. Um, I mean, it's all quite grainy because of the processing, but because we did it on everything, we thought it's kind of fine. It takes you into a sort of world in a way. It might sound odd compared to other songs in a playlist or something. You know? <laughs> the um, lyrics to this one was sort of, they're actually sort of taken from um, catalogues and things like that from from the 90s so there's sort of phrases and things that we just grabbed out of it <laughs> and slightly adapted yeah adapted it a bit so that it's um you know flowed a bit better you know so there's it's not exact but uh it was a good starting point and and i think it's uh yeah it's got a bit of um sarah's well we're all big fans of the cocktail twins but that certainly a sort of inspiration uh, again off period but uh for the vocal kind of sound and treatment on this. There's a wonderful, um, like, after listening to the uh, the album, then I went back and listened to all the tracks that you sample, and I didn't really know Joy by Lightning Seas, but there's the wonderful line in that, I never realised the joy till the joy was gone. And I almost feel like that's the subliminal message throughout <laughs> this album, actually. It's even more clever, isn't it? Yeah, like we took the joy bit out and <laughs> have the track called Joy. <laughs> yeah. It's like a crossword clue or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> makes us sound even more clever than, even more I mean more clever than we are <laughs> and this was the second preview track ahead of the album being released now in this day and age we get a bit confused with all of this it was, it was, was it a buzz track was it a single I, was it no a... I don't really understand yeah on, on Spotify it calls it a single but it's not the single as we know them you know you can't buy it in any form I don't think <laughs> well not not in a physical form anyway yeah um <laughs> Yeah, it's all a mystery to me, that stuff. But it's, I mean, it's good that you, it seems to, you know, generate some interest. And I, I think it was a good one to to show, hopefully, the sort of range on the album of what it's going to be like. Okay, so let's move on to track eight of the collection then. And this is Broad River. <laughs> It's one of my favourites, actually. That um, I don't know if it's anyone else's favourite, but uh, uh, yeah, the Tasman Archer sample ripped inside, and this is one where uh, yeah, Bob specifically said, "Oh, you've got to try this." You know, the, the intro of this track. I think it'd be great. You know, slow down, and um, and he was right. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, because I wouldn't. I, it's not a song I remember, to be honest. Um, from you know of Tasman Archer's oeuvre, <laughs> um, mm. and I, I, I just the rep- repetition on this. I think I love the bass line, and it's really simple. It's the same thing going over and over again. Uh, I, I can when the piano bit comes in, I, I kind of feel it's a bit like sort of a 
Balearic sort of shoegaze type, this sort of downer Balearic music, if that's such a thing can exist. It uh, does now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether it was part of the thinking for this, but when I listened to this track, having gone through the whole album, the other seven tracks, it feels a little bit foreboding for me where it may be... Maybe the future isn't going to be quite so rosy. Maybe it isn't all going to be sunny in the future. And actually, that feels like a really nice way to end. Yeah, that's it's good you say that actually. Because well, I think Alistair might have picked up a bit on that as well. Because in in the uh, in the video, the film, sorry, when because there's a moment where it sort of kind of expands into sort of distorted reverb towards the end of the track. And I think it's about that time that kicks in. It it goes to snow and Scotland, and then it goes black and white. The film, and it's uh, it's sort of it ties in really well. It kind of gives you a bit of a shiver when you're watching. Blown it now, but <laughs> <laughs> spoiler. <Yeah. laughs> Before we finish things today, sadly, because we could obviously talk for hours about uh, this album, but one of the things I just wanted to ask on the titles. Titles for songs are so important, I think, to both of us. Picking up a record and turning it round and just imagining what those songs sounds like before you get the chance to listen. Uh, who came up with the titles for these, or how were they? How are they it's, influenced? Um, it's similar to the the lyrics for the you know the Penlop. So we had a sort of source of material that we were picking. So this was after the songs were written, picking things that we thought quite oblique in a way but they made a connection then to us to the song and yeah we thought they're really unspecific titles in a way but they could be specific. I, I, I just thought of it it sounded evocative and uh yeah they all mean something to us but it's sort of in a weird random way where you go oh that's the one yeah, yeah. so unfortunately pete we're out of time but and we could quiz you all day and we'd love to about your the amazing back catalogue of St Etienne um, and uh, all the things you've done but maybe another time but thank you for taking us through yes well it's lovely to speak to you your most recent um, and good luck with the film uh, with the album it's uh, it's been a real pleasure oh thanks yeah for me too and with the tour later this year we're really looking forward to hearing some of these tracks live Mm. perhaps Yes, yeah. I don't think we're we're not going to do the whole album. I don't think because it might be a bit sort of slow <laughs> for a gig. <laughs> well, we, we certainly had a giggle chatting track by track with Pete through. I've been trying to tell you the brand new album available now from Saint Etienne, and a great hint of a tease at the end there. They are touring live later this year. Of course, they're touring live. They're not. ABBA, um, very up-to-date oh. reference. <laughs> um, and some, yeah, some of the new songs are going to be in there. We'll be there, won't we, Will? Are we going to be in London or Bristol? Uh, well, your choice, Dan. No, not your choice, my choice. London. Well, we don't know. Bristol. TBC. Well, we'll have to toss for it. Uh, do let us know what you think about I've Been Trying to Tell You. Do try and tell us across our social media platforms and over on Patreon. We're at Track by Track everywhere. And if you are listening to this and you're not yet signed up to Patreon, did you know that this week you could receive 10 episodes of Track by Track to celebrate our third anniversary? It's not too late to sign up and get those and all of the other Patreon-exclusive episodes that are available. 
Uh, we're building up a little uh, collection there now, aren't we? We've got some fantastic ones on there. Lightning Seeds, I particularly enjoy talking about recently. Will Young, where we answer the question, is Will Young hung? And the answer was, well, you have to listen to find out. <laughs> uh, also on there, we've got Spice Girls, Electronic, Billy Piper. And our track-by-track spin-off series, Further Listening, where we dive deep or deep dive even into the back catalogues of some of our favorites and we know your favorite artists and of course there will be a further listening episode celebrating some of the deep cuts of saint etienne coming soon oh i best start writing my list now i think it'll be one of those like we've said with new order and pet shop boys there'll probably have to be a part one and part two because there are so Mm -hmm. many i I think Mm -hmm. arguably even more for saint etienne uh we're out of time so enjoy the rest of our anniversary week. Enjoy the St. Etienne album. Enjoy the tour if you're going to that as well. Until next time, I've been Bob Stanley. And I've been trying to tell you. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> I literally just thought of that. It's not that good. It is really good, actually. Wow. Yeah, no, it is. It's quite hard to